Hi there, I'm James Dapperty and this is Coffee and the Case Note. So team, today we're going to talk about a couple of plaintiffs and a couple of defendants. And essentially what we have is our plaintiffs who invest some money with a lead defendant. And if we get the chance, we'll talk about some of those other defendants later. What is going on here? We are talking about our lead defendant who says to what we might think of as our lead plaintiff or the controlling mind between our various plaintiffs saying, hey, look, I've got this 100% safe and secure investment for you. You should come and invest with me. It's watertight. And what our the controlling mind of our plaintiffs thinks is as well, watertight investments are pretty good. Uh, and so goes ahead and makes the investment. Now, the nature of the investment is, uh, it's called something like a private placement program or something like that. It's some form of arbitrage trading where essentially what our lead defendant wants to be able to do is have a lot of funds in a bank account. And once he holds those funds in the bank account, he is then able to represent on the arbitrage trading market, however it is, um, whatever he needs to represent. And that will then allow him to go and make some trades. So essentially he wants to have a lot of money in the bank and that'll allow him to do this arbitrage trading. Okay, so what the uh, plaintiff's controlling mind says is, yeah, that sounds good. And so the plaintiff causes, sorry, the plaintiff's controlling mind causes the plaintiffs to go and make some investments. The investments end up totaling about $2.4 million and each of the payments is made uh, following the controlling mind entering into a declaration of trust on behalf of each of the plaintiffs. So these plaintiff companies pay the money over to the defendant and at the time of paying over the money, they enter into this written declaration of trust. Okay, um, one of the elements of the investment is that the plaintiffs are meant to be able to get their money back. So they ask for it back and they don't get it back. <laughs> and so that leads to these proceedings. Now, one of the arguments the plaintiffs have uh, is that uh, the failure to repay is a breach of agreement. And we're going to leave that argument aside for today. But one of the arguments the plaintiffs have is that the failure to repay this money is a breach of trust. They say, look, you held this 2.4 million on trust. Uh, we're now asking for it back. And so give it back. And the defendant doesn't do that and resists the application. Now, if you're going to argue that someone holds some money on trust for you, what you need to be able to do is you need to say to the court, uh, look, uh, the object, the subject matter and the intention of the parties is consistent with there being a trust in place. So let's work through it. The plaintiffs say, hey, look, the subject matter is the money. Um, so that's clear enough. The object is to invest the money to generate a return. So that's clear enough. So what was the intention of the parties? Well, what the court finds is that these various declaration of trust documents include the word trust a lot. And so that is somewhat suggestive um, that there's a trust. Um, what the court finds is that the declaration of trust document uh, in fact purposely includes that trust language. Uh, and so its purpose is to be for setting up a trust. Uh, what the court also finds is that the surrounding circumstances are consistent with there being a trust. 
Uh, and then finally, the court says that the fact that there might also be a creditor-debtor relationship between the parties does not preclude the finding that there might be a trust. And so what the court says is, having worked through those things, yes, indeed, there is a trust. And so what is found is that the defendant, the first one, holds this money on trust for the plaintiffs who made these investments. Now, a couple of other complications is that none of the defendants actually came to the hearing. And the court had to spend some time thinking about, mm, well, are we actually able to go ahead with this hearing in the absence of the defendants? The short answer to that is yes. And so that's what they went ahead and did. And then you might remember that we've talked about defendants and defendant. Um, well, uh, in essence, the first defendant, uh, this person, uh, who didn't come along to the hearing, he received the money, but there's a question as to whether he has any money or whether he currently holds it. Uh, and there are some other defendants who may in fact have come to hold the money after it being paid to the defendant. And so there may be a tracing remedy that the plaintiffs want to investigate. That tracing remedy will be off for another day. And then by way of footnote, uh, this was a dispute about $2.4 million. Uh, I understand from the judgment that the same defendant is being pursued in respect of about $240 million um, uh, as a, uh, uh, with similar claims, similar arbitrage trading claims. So uh, lots of similar arguments for him uh, in front of him or on the way. Now, I hope that discussion of uh, trusts, uh, you know, the object, subject matter, intention was of value to you. And I look forward to joining you again soon for another coffee and another case note. Cheers.